Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Chris Evans here with your latest installment of the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with our friends at Sky from Virgin Radio. Coming up, the hilarious Rob Brydon tells us all about his upcoming tour with his eight-piece band, A Night of Songs and Laughter. Why wouldn't you want to go and see that? Musical virtuoso Tim Minchin talking about similar, returning to the stage with his critically acclaimed Back Encore tour. The always unpredictable Happy Mondays frontman Sean Ryder, who's changed a bit over the years, haven't we all, has news of their new single, Mumbo Jumbo and their first album in 18 years. Visits from future technology and former West Indies cricketing legend, now commentator, and so much more. Michael Holding delves into his inspiring brand new book, Why We Kneel and How We Rise. All of that and so much more to come. Dabba Dave, who's first? If you've always wondered what a Welsh comedy legend singing songs by Tom Waits and Elvis would sound like, then wonder no more. He's added a handful of dates to his A Night of Songs and Laughter tour. So here, for a morning of chit and chat, please welcome the impeccable Rob Bright. Good morning, Rob. Hey, Chris. How are you? I'm very well. How are you, my friend? I'm very good this morning. Nice to speak to you. Well, you are very good. That's what you are. You're just very good, is what you are. So, you know, we're talking about you singing on stage uh, with your band, with your little big band, and one could be forgiven for thinking, I might say something like, from the sublime, musically, to the ridiculous. But you're actually, you're pretty you're, you're pretty darn awesome yourself when it comes to singing. Aww. Come on, Aww. you are. Well, I do, I do love it. I mean, one of the last things I did was at Carfest with you guys. Um, seems so long ago, but that was fantastic. That's probably the biggest crowd ever I've ever sung to, and it, it and it was it was wonderful. Now we've talked about you doing this kind of thing before, and indeed you have done it before. You know, and, and Rob singing some classic Elvis and classic this and classic that, uh, and the other people say, "Oh, that sounds fun," and it is fun, but it's not funny. It's just fun. What happens in between? Oh, it's a, it's still a funny show. It's just an extension of what I used to do. You know what I used used to in my stand-up show have music towards the end just with the guitar and then I was enjoying that more and more and finding that the bits in between the musical bits I did there was a nice rhythm to them so I just took the plunge got this incredible band they're a nine-piece band they're amazing so it's a sort of funny stuff it's stories it's about you know stories about singing with Tom Jones which I've done or singing with Neil Diamond it's about singing at school where I met Ruth Jones and we did uh, oh the Neil Diamond thing was terrifying I did a I did a special with him for ITV and he we we interviewed in New York knowing we were going to come to the Palladium and he casually said to me during this interview hey we should do a song at the Palladium and and, and I kind of went, I said yeah all right and we ended up singing song sung blue terrifying but you know, when you sing with those guys, like him and Tom Jones, they're just at a different level. They've spent their life out there, you know? And it's equally exhilarating and terrifying. Yeah, you're so right, because you are an extremely good singer. You know, are you a professional singer? I would say you were a professional singer, but then again, there are different levels. It's like it's like amateur sports people, um, professional yeah, sports yeah. people, and then yeah. elite sports people, and then then God-given um, sports yeah. people. Well, that's why I'm trying to know, whenever I get the chance to you if a friend says or oh, come and do a bit of my show i will do it because i just want to get the stage time you know i just want to get the the experience but you're absolutely right i remember once your friend and our friend charlene spateri i had gone to uh, a sort of a dinner thing at her house and we ended up all sitting around and there was a guitar in the kitchen and people did different things a couple of actors a few people there and we did this and that and then Charlene, we said, oh, come on, give us a song. And she stood up with the guitar and she did, you know, she said, put your arms around me, you know, that Texas song. Yeah. And it was just, you just went, oh, I see. I yeah. get it. It's so, you know, it's so, you're so right. And that, that you pitched that perfectly because 
you, you you think you're singing. I I think you're brilliant at singing. And then she sings, and she's not doing what everybody else was doing that evening. And by the way, I'm sure there were some very accomplished actors there with brilliant mm-hmm. voices. Because one of the really mm-hmm. annoying things about most actors is they're also very very good singers, but they're not at a musician's or a professional vocalist level. It is a different world, isn't it? It's a well, di- I think it's it's the thousand hours thing. You know, yeah. they they've just done it, and in the same way that a comedian who's done the time can just walk out on the stage and they're going to have a certain relaxed yeah. nature to them, a relaxation. Yeah. She just stood there and you could, and she started singing, you know, like three feet from me. But you thought, oh, yeah, she's done that at Wembley Arena many times <laughs> in front of thousands of people. And it was, it was a really interesting moment for me. I, I sort of learned something watching her do that. No, you're so right, because, you know, as you're, as you're singing on stage, and as I say, Rob Brydon is brilliant, and he's been in the Carfest Supergroup, and he's going to be in it again this year, thank God. And he's got this, you know, Rob can sing well enough to, to hold a tour, to put this tour together and sell loads of tickets and add extra dates because people love what he does so much. So Rob can do this for a living, but... <laughs> You, I imagine that sometimes you are still thinking about it on stage and they're not, are they? That's the difference, isn't it? They are not thinking about what they're doing and the music is flowing through them and they're not getting in their own way. Exactly. So I'm still learning. So I was list- we recorded every show. We've done this already. We did about 12 dates before the pandemic. Yeah. And we did a good quality recording of one of them. So I've been listening back to that, you know, wanting to make changes. And all the way through it, you're just editing. You're going, all right, I don't need to say that in between the songs. I don't need to do that. I don't need to do it. Yeah, okay, that's good. I can do a bit more of that, a little less of this. Something that people like Charlene or whoever have just learned through experience, and I'm sort of playing catch-up in that sense. That's you know? it. Again, beautifully put. Le- you're, you're learning to experience it. And I think it might be about the direction of travel, because what you're doing is you're crafting, you know, what mm. what the ability you have by listening mm. back, and you are paring it down, and you're, exactly. you're, you're, you're polishing the best bits, and you're sanding off uh, the not-so-good bits. But they, what they do is they grow it from within, and I think that's yeah. the, it's the direction of travel. They grow it, uh, and, and, and others craft it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I, I think that's true. But I love, and I know you talk about this, you know, especially in, in your podcast when you, when you talk to these different people. I love knowing now as an adult what the potential is for something if you apply yourself to it. Yeah. And, and kind of following your dream in a way. Because I'd wanted to do musical stuff for so long and I, and I had done bits and bobs, but a full on thing like this, I was shy of frankly, for fear of ridicule, you know, for fear of a bloke off the telly thinks he can sing. So I've tried to grow it small. I've tried to do little bits and bobs and then build it up and build it up. But at some point, you have to take the plunge and you have to say, (laughs) right, I'm going out there and I'm going to do it. And when we did, the thing that surprised me most was the extent to which I loved it and the extent to which it worked, you know. And, And now, frankly, I'd rather do this for the rest of my days than, than the old just straight out stand-up show Rob I love you I literally love you um, thank you for your friendship <laughs> thank you for everything you do for us um, no, and uh, you want to go and see robbryden.live get tickets uh, dates have been added this tour works he knows he's done it people like it it's, uh, it's sold out before it's sold out now but extra dates and rock and roll Rob Bryden thanks so much for being here Thank you, Chris. Great to speak to you. You're awesome, Rob. He is an awesome man. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. From musicals to scripted telly, our next guest can do the lot and you can see him do it live. He's coming back to the UK for an encore of his back tour. So please welcome a man that's back with a show that in part looks back, that's called back. He's coming back. It's Tim Minchin. All right, Tim. Hello, Chris. Hello, Tim. You're right. Hello. Yeah, really good. Thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm in New Zealand, Chris. I know. I'm you... so far away from I you. Know. I couldn't be further away. I know. Well, I hope that's not intentional, but uh, no offence taken, even if one was intended. Yeah. Uh, but um, you are on the other side of the world, and you, whenever you join our show and you're sort of uh, Southern Hemisphere, usually you have a glass of wine in hand. Tell me with regards. Okay. Speak to that today, please. Yes, I, I'm tonight. I'm drinking a Penfold's Canonga Hill Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, brought to you by my wallet uh, and the little quickie mart down the road. Uh, yeah, look, I mean, I quite often have to do press uh, on the other side of the world, and I find a glass of wine makes everybody happier. And I think you should have a glass of wine now. Yeah, okay. Well, to I'm, join me, I, I'm with you on that. Of- 
I'm with you on That's that. That's before you do your four miles. Yeah, my four by four by 48. Um, so I'm sorry you feel like you have to do press on the other side. You don't have to do this show. I'm quite happy to bang on about your no, tour. No, no. Seriously, I, I, I don't, I'll plug no, your... I like doing press. I just mean it has to be this time. Okay, <laughs> it has to be that time. Of course it does. So yeah. you're, you're on tour. Really we're, we're selling your tour. I want to come and see you. I want to come see you on tour. Ticketmaster.co.uk slash Tim Minchin UK. Now, this is the back encore tour. He's done it before. It works. Yeah. And it's been accessorised. And it begins on Saturday, the 23rd of October in Birmingham. That is England at the Hippodrome. But you are warming up for us by doing it down under. Yeah, so we, we did the tour a couple of years ago and then we were going to do an encore tour and then got shut down because of this wee uh, fracas about the pandemic that we've had. And um, and then we got it back on sale and, and we, we've done pretty well. We've sold all that. Uh, tickets but um we've got some new dates coming out next week so i'm a little early here but next week there's some scottish dates coming out and a couple of extra uk dates so um yeah people people love this show and we love doing it and i've just been desperate to get back to the uk i when when we left the uk a few years ago i thought oh well it doesn't matter if we don't live here i'll be able to come back whenever i want i know it's been awful not being able to come back i really miss London, you know. It's absolutely crazy. How, how are you with vaccinations? What's going on? Just give us, because, you know, we hear stories oh, about the Southern Hemisphere. Groups. Yeah, we, I mean, we've had such a lucky time of it because we've gone um, super closed borders. So a lot of the time there's been virtually no COVID in the country. But I'm now on tour trying to do shows and suddenly there's a, an outbreak in Sydney and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and so we're constantly, this, this could go on for years for us because... Because we've managed to keep it out, we've got apathetic and the government hasn't been very proactive and we're, we're 10% vaccinated or less. I don't, it's, it's really, we, we need to get on with it. You guys are doing much. You, you guys did, you know, it was horrible. It's been horrible for you. But at this end, you seem to have hopped on board and you're all getting vaccinated and they're watching the cases lower and lower and lower and lower. So, yeah. Well, I didn't it's know disappointing. That. That's that is breaking news to me. I have to say. Um, anything else you'd like to say before yeah. um, we we let you go back to what sounds like an idyllic evening there? No, well, I, I'm having a nice evening by myself, Chris. I hope you're really well. Thank you as ever for having me and being so supportive. And you know, my my gig. Uh, it's joyous, and I think my job is to, to stick a bit of joy into the world after this horror year. So if you have a chance to come and see us, come and have a look. That's a great sell. It's a great sell, and you can say it because it's completely true. You go to a Tim Minchin gig, yeah. and uh, suddenly you see the world through a whole different lens, which is, I mean, that's not your permanent lens, but it is your lens. Does Can it work for you if you're having a bit of a doldrum, you know, you know, on a sort of Tuesday, I don't know, sort of glum month? Oh. Uh, can, you, can you adopt your own on-tour lens, and do, does it, it cheer you? up is is joy for hire is it always on standby in Minchin's life i think it's easier to do for other i think that's like everyone it's like what you do chris it's like it's easier to do for someone else it's easier to identify in someone else what they could do with than it's than it is to identify in yourself what you need and if you can identify in yourself what you need it's very hard to provide it for yourself you know no, I, I'd much rather be entertaining other people than myself. But that in, in itself, you know, mood follows action. And because you do that for other people at the end of it, you feel better yeah. better anyway. But do you, do you have any tricks? You know, because I, yeah. I know you're so into all this kind of stuff. Do you have any tricks when you have a, a negative thought loop going round and round in your head? Can, can, is there a switch you can flick that you could share with us that might be useful to other people? I don't know how good I am. It's a discussion I have a lot. With, you know, I've got a teenage kid who's having some troubles and we this is a big conversation in our house. I mean, I'm afraid I'm quite sort of uh macro i for me it's about going for a run you know it's about burning energy getting in the ocean um trying to externalize like my my brain goes pretty fast at times and you know reading a book getting into someone else's thoughts instead of your own getting off the internet i i've <laughs> i've got off twitter um finally and it's it has had a real positive effect yeah so yeah not not too much of other people's you know, nonsense and bit of a book and a run. That's all I got. You know, often you can't yeah. fi- you can't fix the mind with the mind. And if you can find a chink to get out of that sort of negative thought loop, then you take it. Yeah. You, know, you grab it with both yeah. hands and you get sharp yeah, elbow and you yeah. push your way through the paper bag and you see what's on the other side. Yeah. Tim, thanks so much for being yeah. on the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
It's a pleasure. Great to talk to you. Have a good day. Good day to you, Tim. Good night to you, Tim. Snowboarding in New Zealand, kicking back with a half a glass of Penfolds in his hotel room the day before his gig. Yes, please. Ticketmaster.co.uk slash Tim Minchin UK to go to one of the most joyous shows a theatre could ever have the pleasure of putting on. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. The stories are legendary, the music is exemplary, and he's back for more. His first solo album in 18 years, Visits from Future Technology, is out in August. So sit back and relax as we welcome a man that makes us happy every day of the week, not just Mondays. It's the one and only Sean Ryder! Morning, Sean! Morning, Sean! Morning, Sean! How are you, my friend? I'm good. Good morning, you lot. Oh, Sean, A, I love you. B, I love you. All the way to Z, I love you. What's going on, my friend? What's going on? You tell me. Well, I'm currently running four miles during the show. I've only got two minutes to go, but that's all right. Yeah, I just heard that you was running. I thought, well, who's he running from? Yeah, life itself, Sean. You know how it is, baby. But then, you <laughs> get, you know, you go the full circle, you get back where you started, and that's the hero's journey home. You know that. It's how, it's how every classic novel begins. It's the middle, it's the end. You know how it is. Um, yeah. Uh, Sean, not, you know, not, we could say similar for you as far as this album is concerned, because it began ten years ago. Tell us uh, where we're up to now, what happened in between, and what you've been doing in between. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just finished the album, flew back from, from L.A., and then uh, I was going in the jungle. And when I went in the jungle, I had, I had one manager. I came out of the jungle with a different manager, <laughs> and it was like, forget about the album, uh, go and uh, build your profile up on telly. So it, it just got forgot about. And then when we're in lockdown and... Uh, you know, I was doing a bit of stuff in the studio at home. Uh, Alan McGee said, you know, get, get, get your album out and uh, work on it a bit. So we did, and we crossed a few uh, T's and dotted a few I's, and Sonny Hill had been remastered it. And then McGee said, yeah, let's get it out. So there well, it is. I love. I've not heard the album, but Mumbo Jumbo is really hitting all the right spots as far as I'm concerned. Now, Thank you. The story of this album is the opposite of uh, most of your earlier career, when the record company thought you had an album um, ready <laughs> and and you didn't. <laughs> I mean, it's the polar opposite, isn't it? <laughs> I give up. But, but, uh, don't you right? Okay. It's true though. Is that not the case, Sean? Yeah, you know, yeah. you know how it was, no, it was you know, mad young kids and all that, lot, bit nutty. OK, but this, so this is effectively 11 years old. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. so cool, that's so cool. OK, so give us, um, if you were going to pitch it to me, we've heard the mumbo-jumbo, um, what else is going on? What else is going on? All right, it's sort of my delusional ADHD world, right? Yeah, it's like my Sergeant Pepper. It's nothing like Sergeant Pepper, but delusionally with me because it's like it's all different flavours on the album if you know what I mean with the tracks and yeah, that yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. there you go alright so what's going to happen as a consequence of us playing on the radio so are we talking tours are we talking little gigs big gigs festivals what are you what might you be up to this summer well I've got to go out and do the black grape stuff this summer and I've got to go and do the Monday stuff but when I've got that out of the way I want to take that album out right and how does it feel because you know I, I've well, we'll never forget. I've forgotten many things in the nineties, but I will never forget our night on stage at Reading, uh, which was <laughs> which was bizarre for so many reasons. Uh, but what's it like being on stage now? Because even back then, did you enjoy being on stage, or was it something you just had to do because of the job you were in at the time? Yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, you know, it was it's, it was a little bait thing. You know, I mean, it was it was exciting and all that lot. But I always felt a bit odd because I was never one of those like you know you you, you hear like really professional guys who go they come alive when they, they go on stage and when they, they sort of come off stage they, they finish well I was like you know alive before they went on and I'd go on stage and I'd be like ooh you know I mean I, I preferred sort of making the music and all that lot. so that's part of the job and it was a love eight thing I mean I, you know and that, that was a lot to do with me and everything else and, you know confidence I mean and now I mean I, you know it's uh, you know I, I enjoy it more than ever all right, so good for you, pal, and and so you should, because even though we enjoyed being on the bus, um, you know, back in the nineties, we can't re- remember much, which I suppose was the deal, because you, you can't have you can't have everything, but you can have anything. And this time round, we're probably doing it uh, the opposite round and enjoying more sustainable fun. Should we call it that, Sean? It's yeah, more absolutely. sustainable. You know, yeah. Uh, do you still have a beer now and again? I still have a beer. Yeah, I don't you know I don't have out else, but I, I have a beer. Yeah. Okay. You've been watching the football. 
I went to the uh, I went to the uh, England and Scotland game. Oh, poor you. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't see much of it, you know. <laughs> I didn't see much of it. All right, what did you think last night? Did you watch um, the, the comings and goings with the uh, final games? And we were playing Hungary, then we were playing Germany, and then we were doing the whole hokey-cokey, uh, German and Hungarian hokey-cokey till 10 o'clock. Did you watch those games? Uh, not really, no. Okay. No. What do, you think about, <laughs> what, what do you think about Tuesday, Germany, Wembley? Oh, yeah, I want to go to that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How, how do you get? So does everybody. How do you get tickets, Sean? Can you tell us? How do I get tickets? Yeah. Uh, I've got a pal who gets them. Oh, I like that. Of course, Sean Ryder would. I have a. I have a mate. I have a mango pusher, Sean. Right. <laughs> Seriously, I do. I have a. I have a mum of somebody who works on the show who pushes. She's an Indian mango pusher. Right. A bit like your ticket guy, but from a, an Indian mango point of view. Okay. Right, got it all. right. Got it that all. sounds like, you know, jellyfish text mumbo-jumbo, but yeah, I'm on it. Yeah, come on. Uh, Sean, is there anything you'd like to say to your and ours uh, shared adoring audience whilst you're on? Hey, love you all, babies. That's it. Love you all, babes. We'll take it. Uh, Sean, come and see us soon. I love you so much. Love you too, dude. Goodbye. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You are listening to the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio. We've heard from three magnificent guests already, but still so much more to come. The fascinating former US ambassador Matthew Barzen talks us through his brilliant new book, The Power of Giving Away Power. Cambridge geneticist Dr. Giles Yeo chats to us about his brand new book, Why Calories Don't Count. The legend that is Sky Sports, Sky F1 commentator David Crofty Croft discusses the Styrian Grand Prix in Austria. And to celebrate Armed Forces Day, we are joined by First Class Warrant Officer for the Royal Navy, Mick Turnbull, Army Warrant Officer, Class 1, Dean Morgan, and Master Aircrew for the RAF, Tom Buxton. All of that and more, more, I tell you, still to come. Let's get right back to the action. Dapper Dave, who's next? He's one of the finest to ever do it, and he's throwing a Yorker in the shape of his new book. The vitally important Why We Kneel, How We Rise is out now, and here to fast bowl us over from Sky Sports is the legendary Michael Holding. Good morning, Michael. <laughs> good morning, Chris, and good morning to all your listeners. All right, you've written this amazing book, Why We Kneel, How We Rise, out now by Michael Holding. Um, it has lots of contributions from lots of people, uh, some you may have heard of, some you may not have heard of. Uh, would it be fair to say that this book is a consequence um, of what we now um, refer to as that sky moment on the telly? Yes, definitely is. I had no intentions of writing this book. I had no intentions of writing the book, even that, as you describe it, as that moment on sky. But with so many people imploring me to keep going and to keep on saying and speaking, I decided, well, might as well do the book. For people who don't know, can you sum up uh, or can you can you sort of uh, revisit um, what we're referring to? Well, what happened is that with the killing of George Floyd in the US, you know, Ebony Rainford Brent, who had just joined Sky, the Sky Cricket Department had a meeting to discuss the entire Black Lives Matter situation. And of course, Ebony spoke and she pretty much broke down while speaking. She poured her soul out and Brian Henderson, who is the boss at Sky Cricket, decided that he needed to do a bit more than that. He needed to take more action than that and decided to go on a pretty much on a campaign highlighting the situation. So he called me. I wasn't yet in the UK because if you remember, Chris, last year we weren't even sure we, we would get cricket, you know, and then eventually we had cricket in a bubble. So I was still at home and he called me and said, if you come to the UK, would you be willing to take part in what we are trying to do? And he told me what they were doing with Ebony. And I said, absolutely. <laughs> if once you wouldn't want me, I'll definitely. And then eventually cricket was on. And then he called me back. And to be honest, Chris, he said to me, you know, with the situation as, as it is with COVID, you know, last year I was 66 years old in the vulnerable group. He said, you don't have to come because, you know, we're not absolutely sure what the situation is. We wouldn't want to risk you. And I said, no, if there is cricket, I'm coming. And so that is the genesis of it all. And then eventually we did this video, this 
the short video that was shown before I actually spoke. And because of the rain, I got the opportunity to delve into it deeper. When you, when you say it, just extemporise on that, please, if you don't mind. <laughs> the situation with Black Lives Matter and George Floyd and, yeah. the, black, and the, the situation with racism in general. Okay, and you were speaking from your heart. Um, there was nothing prepared because there was a, a weather delay. And there was more time often to fill, you know, uh, <laughs> when, when cricket's concerned and lots of other broadcasting situations. Yeah. Um, and you started to speak and um, you, you, were, you sort of found yourself in flow pretty quickly. Did you take yourself by surprise? Not really. I can't say I took myself by surprise because it's something that I've had inside of me for donkey's years. You know, I've been thinking about things like that, but I've just never expressed myself. I've never had the opportunity to do it publicly. I've spoken about things like that privately to, to some people. Right. And I have a lot of friends. When I went back to Newmarket, a lot of them, when I saw them, I said, oh, Mike, we didn't know that you, th you felt that way. We didn't know that you would say, say things like that. And I said, well, I was never asked. Yeah. <laughs> Michael, for people listening um, today, what would be your parting message for this interview at least? What I'm trying to do, Chris, is to educate people about how racism came about. That You know, when you tell stories about Thierry Henry and their experiences, I just do that because I want people to understand that it's a skin colour that's a problem. They are, these guys are girls are millionaires. Naomi Osaka is a multimillionaire. Thierry Henry, multimillionaire. You're seeing both multimillionaire, but they still experience racism. And I want to tell people why Racism is there because this was a big plan, you know, Chris. This did not happen overnight. I won't go away overnight. To subjugate a people, you have got to make them feel inferior. And that was the plan from centuries ago. We're going to subjugate these people, but we need to make sure that they feel inferior. We have got to make sure that we ourselves, our race, don't feel as if we are doing something wrong when we do this to these people. And the book explains all of that. And that's what I want people to understand why it took place. It's no longer necessary. Times have changed. That's a long time ago. Okay, long time ago, people did that because they had their plans. But we need to understand now that race is something man-made. There was no talk of race many, many years ago, hundreds of years ago. We were just people. But it is man-made because the plan was to subjugate a set of people so that you could abuse them, use them, and do whatever is necessary. And the big plan, whatever a man of color or a black person did, hide it. Do not let these people know that they can be great. So whatever any of them does, you have got to make sure that you can hide it. So many great inventions from black people and people of color. I mentioned Thomas Edison and the light bulb. Everyone, you go anywhere in the world, Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. It was a non-functional light bulb. Without the carbon filament, it did not work. These lights that are shining on us now, Chris, would not work without a carbon filament. The man that made the carbon filament is a black man, so they hide it. They don't tell anyone about that. That's like saying you invent a car and the car has no engine. When the man invents the engine, you, you nullify that man. No, it doesn't matter. I invented the car. And so many other great things. We are in the middle of a pandemic right now. Do you know the first man that introduced inoculation and immunization to the Western world was a slave because he saw it in Africa. Then or 50 odd years afterwards, you hear about a British doctor talking about smallpox and cowpox and he's the father of immunization. If he's the father, he's the stepfather. Yeah. Well said, Michael. It's an honour to have you in the studio. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. You're very welcome. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. He's the former US ambassador to the UK who knows a fair bit about empowering people. His debut book, The Power of Giving Away Power, is out now. So here with news on how we can all give it away, give it away, give it away, give it away now is the wonderful Matthew Barzen. Morning, Matthew. Wow, that's a great way to wake up. <laughs> Thank you, Dapper Dave. It's a pleasure, Thank sir. Thank you. Uh, well, good to be here. Well, it's great to have you here, Matthew, and to talk to you again. Now, before we go any further, let's go back. Let's loop back to that man, Dapper Dave, who's just given your intro, because, boy, oh, boy, does he have a show and tell where you're concerned. <laughs> Dave. Oh, dear. I did. I, I ended up watching Duran Duran standing next to Boris Johnson in Matthew's back garden. And you were wearing flip-flops oh. and a Hawaiian shirt. I was. Right, please explain. First of all, is he lying or might he be telling the truth, Matthew? No, definitely telling the truth. That was a magical night. We get to celebrate um, July 4th every year around the world. American ambassadors do that. 
it's particularly, how do I put this, Chris? Um, it, it's a little sensitive in your country, you know? Because it was independence from from no, you guys. I, I'm aware of I'm aware of what it stands for. <laughs> and, and a, a British friend joked that that you celebrate it too, and you call it Thanksgiving, <laughs> which is funny, sort of, I guess. But anyway, we have this great tradition of having a big party, and as you mentioned, we have this big, wonderful space in Regent's Park, and so we decided to throw, kind of like a Glastonbury-inspired uh, uh, music festival, and the great folks at Duran Duran were willing to play for us. So that indeed happened and it was a magical night. Yeah, I mean, what's the point in being US ambassador to the UK unless you do things like that in this massive pile in Regent's Park, which is uber impressive. But here's the question. Why the heck were you there? <laughs> I was there because my then girlfriend, now wife, was friends with a girl called Edith, Matthew, uh, who was a babysitter oh. for you. And she said, come, oh to, come to my friend's barbecue, which is how it's described to me. So I turned up in flip-flop shorts and a T-shirt, standing next to Boris Johnson. Thank you very much. So apologies oh, for my fantastic. attire. Wow. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, what a night. Oh, what a night. Um, congratulations on your book, Matthew. It is a fantastic read. I learned so much yesterday, and it's a quite a pivotal week for me in many ways, and it really helped me. How the best leaders learn to let go. The power of giving away power. So... I suppose the premise of this, the thread that runs through it, is the pyramid system versus the constellation system or the other way around. Can you explain what that yeah. might be in a nutshell? Well, you may do a better job of it, but let me try. Uh, so the pyramid mindset and the pyramid perspective is, I mean, the familiar way is sort of, you know, the world of top-down hierarchy. And I think we've all got the memo, so to speak, that that's not very effective or certainly has many limitations. But what we often do is we say, okay, let's be the opposite. And we say, we'll be bottom up, you know, and that feels better for like a second, but it, it's really no better. If you think about a bottom up world, you're either thinking of other people as beneath you, or you're thinking of yourself as beneath other people. So bottom up is really just as bad or no better. Uh, and we haven't really escaped the pyramid. If we say bottom up, it's the same shape, just in the other order. So if you if you want to get out of that world of up and down, in or out, ranking, rating, sorting, sifting, which can just be so exhausting and demoralizing, then there you think, well, maybe I'm giving up order and stability and it's just everybody on your own. But this other image of a constellation says to us, no, 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 you can you can escape the pyramid and you can think of another way of thinking about yourself and those people around you. And it isn't chaos. There's order and stability of a, of a different kind. And this happens to be an American symbol from back in 1776 um, from our American logo when we got we didn't love the image of King George, you know, when we became independent. Fair enough. And but but what? Yeah. It's sorry to bring that touchy topic up again. But the triumph, I think, of of back then for us wasn't independence because any band of revolutionaries can do that. Our trick and, and our best idea and we fall short of it all the time, but our best idea as a country was interdependence, mm -hmm. how you could be fully yourself yet connected to others to create something bigger and more powerful than you could alone. And that's where the constellation comes in, because you could be a star on your own, your own individual and yet connected to other stars to make new patterns. And that's the constellation. Yeah, and they do say that. They do, Chris. You no, know, pretty good, I have to say. And uh, you know, for that for that little sort of sell, uh, dive into the book, everyone, because it's pretty cool. I got to tell you, it only gets better from here on in. And let's face it, it started pretty well. You know, and we often talk in in our business about hits and misses. You know, in showbiz, whether it's uh, radio shows mm. or TV shows or one-off live events and things like that. And we often use the phrase "the stars aligned," and the stars have to be there in the first place. And I suppose that's what's hap what happens in a constellation in constellation thinking, isn't it? You, you have the stars they're all there and you just need to connect the right ones for you and they don't have to be in a straight line as long as they are joined up that's at some exactly point that's right yeah that's right and what i think is, let's take like orion's belt which is familiar to many or the big dipper um they aren't self-evident right someone has to show them to you and once you see those stars that make orion's belt you can't unsee them yeah but so the importance of listening to leaders which i try to do in the book of, of these leaders that i've either been a witness to their leadership or read about them in history they can teach us how to see those connections and how to make them ourselves. Great it's to talk summer. to you. If you do come over here anytime soon, please let's hook up for a coffee because I would just love to bend your ear about everything actually here in life because I think you're amazing. Cheers. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio.
If your weight is yo-yoing, then listen up as our next guest is just the yo you need. His new book, Why Calories Don't Count, is out now. So in answer to the question, yo, are you ready for me yet? The answer is, yes, sir, we are. Please welcome the brilliant mind of Dr. Giles Yo. Yo, yo. Welcome to the show, show, Giles. How are you? Yo, thank you for having me. Don't use it up. Um, I got to use it for the rest of my life. Thank you so much for having me on the show. You are very welcome. My goodness me. Uh, when we first read articles about your book, we were screaming um, to anybody that would listen how do we get him on the show how do we get him on the show so let's get straight straight into it uh Giles. your book why calories don't count is a fascinating and revelatory read what is the main gist of the message here the main gist of the message is that we eat we eat food and not calories. So look, every calorie is equal, but only once we get it into us and it's like a little poof of energy that we can use. Poof. Okay, that's fine. They're equal. But because we eat food, our body then has to work to get the calories out. It has to expend energy in, in order to get it out. And so therefore, depending on whether or not you're eating a carrot, a donut or a steak, your body works at different rates, uses different amounts of energy. So we extract different calories for every kind of food that we actually eat. All right, so so this is science. I'm presuming it's been around for a while. I know you've dedicated a couple of decades at least to this particular aspect of uh, science as far as nutrition is concerned. Why aren't more people saying the same thing? So I didn't invent this stuff, right? And this morning, you know, I didn't make it up in my head. This has been known for, for a long time. People have ignored it. And I'm not entirely sure why. So, so the calorie counts we see everywhere on the back of whatever packets you actually have are 120 years old. They come from a guy called Wilbur Atwater, who, who um, worked out that nine calories for every gram of fat, four calories for carb, four calories for, for, for protein. Um, but he never took into account this, the business of doing work, the, the energy it takes. And people have relied, 120 years old, 1900 he published it. He did a great job, I want to point out. He did a really good job. He was the one that worked out the, the fact that when you eat sweet corn, 100 calories of sweet corn, the next morning you look in the, <clears throat> you haven't absorbed anywhere close to 100 Nicely calories. Yeah, Thank you. Nicely framed. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so he worked out that, that, that we don't absorb everything. But then he, he couldn't, he didn't work out the energy actually taking place. And it's quite significant. So people are saying, well, we're not doing it because it's too difficult. Um, it doesn't matter. Well, I'll give you just one uh, um, example. If you eat 100 calories of protein, mm -hmm. now this is very specific, but, but protein, you only ever absorb 70 calories. So it takes 30% ever. ever. With anything? Well, no, protein. With protein. Sorry, protein. But as far as protein is concerned, we can knock 30% off straight off the bat. Yes. It doesn't matter whether it comes from a bean or it comes from a steak. <laughs> it's, it's exactly 30%. See, that, that should be on the front page of every paper. Because we're so obsessed with what we eat and losing weight and gaining weight and exercising and not exercising and, and 10,000 steps and uh, zone two training. This is massive news. I mean, so then if you take the other end of the spectrum and you yeah. look at fat, yeah. the, so these are, we're looking at them in, in, in isolation. Yeah. We clearly eat food. But fat, if you have 100 calories of calories, if you have 100 calories of fat, fat, you pretty much get close to 100 calories of fat because that's very dense. It takes no heat at all in order to take it apart. Mm. So protein is just uh, uh, chemically the most complex. Carbs sit in the middle. So if we're talking about sugar, then for every 100 calories of sugar you eat, you get 95, 96 calories out. So it still takes a little bit of energy. Whereas if you're having a slice of wholemeal toast, then it takes... 10%. So for every 100 calories of wholemeal toast, you only ex uh, absorb 90 calories. It costs 10 calories to sort out 100 calories of wholemeal toast. Right. And this seems to be good news because it, does it ever go the other way? No, it doesn't. It cannot go the other way because right. it, it goes against the laws of physics. So you can't add calories. Yeah. You can if you're the sun and you have like nuclear fusion. But, but in typical... You can't grow calories. You can't grow calories. There's a maximum number of calories... In a food. Right. And then how you cook it, process it, deal with it. They can you, only get less. That's right. They Correct. can only get less. Correct. So this poor, this this scientist, mm. right, who was doing his best 120 years ago, mm -hmm. was a trailblazer in his day. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so he was published. He had some good things going on. But it was a very... Um, very um, elementary uh, way of, of, of um, calculating these characters. What exactly was he doing in his shed? So I want you guys to think about this before you complain about your jobs. So, so the, <laughs> the way calories are counted is they use something called a bomb calorimeter, where you, you burn food and you measure, and you measure the, the, the heat that's given off. Yeah. And so what he did was he spent 20 years of his life right. burning loads of food, which yeah. is fine. This probably smells quite nice, and to a crisp. But then he fed the food to human beings, fasted human beings, and then burnt the poop. 
um, and what he then subtracted was he subtracted the total calories in food versus the total calories in poop, and then he got the he got these numbers. Twenty years of his life, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. You're awesome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> How was it for you? I, it was great. No, thank you for having me. <laughs> You're very welcome. Uh, the book is out now. It's Dr. Charles Yeo's Why Calories Don't Count. It was number one in the movers and shakers after we talked about it last week on the show. That was before we had Giles on for the interview. So please do pick up a copy now if you can, uh, virtually, or even better, go and pick up a copy physically at your local bookshop. Uh, Giles, thank you so much for being here. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Dapper Dave, over to you. F1 has already delivered some wonderful thrills and spills, and this weekend we're hoping for more of the same. The Styrian Grand Prix is live and exclusive on Sky Sports F1 this Sunday, and here to tell us all about it is the man with the voice of an angel and the face of an F1 commentator. It's Crofty! <laughs> That's a bit harsh, wasn't it, Crofty? No need for that. Well, Michael is a very angelic face once upon a time. Oh, He's not on handsome oh, Dapper no. Dave. Sorry, Crofty. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Crofty... In, in the Crofty, right light, I'm stunning. I, th- I, think, uh, I think you're not half bad, to be honest. You know, I'm, I'm, the question's not been posed, but I'll the answer is, I, I would. <laughs> I think, m- maybe. Not quite sure. But Dapper Dave... Crofty, 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 Dapper Dave's got to realise that, you know, the, the people you intro on the way up, you're going to intro them on the way down again, <laughs> Dave. So you just be careful out there. He's all- yeah, he's also got to realise, Chris, it's three weeks till Goodwood and we're going to meet face-to-face. Uh-oh. And if he doesn't like the face now, wait till he sees it first thing in the morning at Goodwood. <laughs> yeah, because Coffee's going to join us. We're going to be live from the Festival of Speed, which is very exciting. This show live on a Friday from the Festival of Speed. Yeah. Crofty, there has never been in my lifetime a more exciting F1 season. It simply is the case. Yeah, audience figures going through the roof, not just in the UK, but in America as well. Um, Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton is the, the ticket we all want to see. It's like a, a heavyweight title fight over 23 rounds rather than just 12. Yeah. Um, I, I love that French Grand Prix. It had just about everything you want from a race, including an overtake, a couple of laps from the end, brilliant strategy from Red Bull, and Mercedes licking their wounds. I tell you, the pressure's on Mercedes at the moment. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because they've not really been under pressure for the last seven years. Don't get me wrong. Uh, they're mm. very good at what they do. But pressure adds, adds a whole different dynamic your teams start vibrating at a different frequency. The ifs and buts start happening. Yeah. The flow is interrupted. The confidence is wobbled. It, it can re- literally be, be the difference between winning and losing, living and dying. It can. And flip that over at Red Bull, where they've not been used to winning quite so regularly, their, uh, their pecker is very much up yeah. at the moment. Um, they're doing pretty much everything right since they got it wrong in Spain. They started to put things right. Um, this is a, we're in the middle of a triple header, three races in three weeks. And I think this will have a massive ramification on the championship as a whole. If Red Bull can dominate these three races, uh, then Mercedes have got to find answers and they've got to find answers quick uh, to, to what Red Bull have got, which is a very good car and a brilliant driver in Max Verstappen who's driving at the top of his game and has, and has really risen to the challenge. I've never seen Max look more calm more relaxed, more chilled out before a race than he has been doing this year because he knows that he's got some decent machinery underneath his feet. Yeah, and where Lewis is used to being, you know, in the groove, um, you know, getting on the stage and doing everything that's in the script, the script has changed and you can sense that in Lewis because he's now somewhere he's never been before. Yeah, well, this is it. But I think Lewis... Given, given the athlete that Lewis is and given the fact that he can rely on so much experience of when things haven't quite been going right to put things right, he's a bit like James Brown. You know, they, they, they might throw the blanket over Lewis Hamilton. He might not look like he can carry on, but there's probably four or five more songs in him yeah. that he can do for, for an encore and he'll, he'll come back on the stage and, and, and give it everything. And yeah. I, I, just, I just love all the dynamics of this year. And I, I don't know which way it's going to go. I really don't. Yeah, which is why it's fascinating and which, and which is why, as you say, mm. audience figures are going through the roof. So this is we're talking about Sky Sports, Sky F1. If you haven't jumped on board uh, yet this year, because of everything that's been on and because of the drama within everything that's gone on, uh, the preamble to the races, the highlights packages from the season so far, get you up to speed before every single Grand Prix. And it happens all weekend. And it's on Sky Sports F1 from tomorrow morning. Now, the last thing Mercedes would want, I would imagine, over the next fortnight is two Grand Prix for for Red Bull at their home circuit. Yeah, quite. And it's a, it's a track Lewis has won a couple of times at, but it's a track that Max has won a couple of times at uh, as well. Um, it's, 
it's a track that should suit that Red Bull car. There aren't many corners, but through the corners, it should be quite fast. And if they had a straight-line speed advantage in France, which Toto Wolff thinks Red Bull had, uh, then that should come to bear on the long main straight and the, the run-up to Turn 3 as well. Um, so... On paper, it's a Red Bull track, but let's just throw the weather into the, the mix as well. The forecast is not great for this weekend. Last year, for the Syrian Grand Prix, Lewis Hamilton won by about 13 seconds, and he took pole by 1.3 seconds because it absolutely chucked it down uh, on, the, uh, on the Saturday, and he produced a masterful drive in the wet. We could get that again this weekend. Rain is always good for Formula One. Um, it just mixes things up a little bit, and the cream rise to the top. And, and in Lewis and Max, we have two very good wet drivers, but Lewis proved it here last year. Absolutely. All right, one more uh, bit of uh, skinny, please, if you don't mind, Crofty, before you go. Uh, while this weekend we see 15,000 spectators at the Austrian Grand Prix, Red Bull is aiming for full grandstands for the second race of 140,000 mm. people. How might that happen within the space of five, six, seven days? Uh, well, basically, they'll tear, put a pilot event in for this weekend and then they'll open it up uh, next weekend. It'll all be very, very safe and people, I think, will take natural flow tests and uh, they, they'll have, uh, be jabbed as well. Um, this has bearings, of course, on Silverstone as well. We're still waiting for an official announcement for Silverstone. But everything I hear is very positive about Silverstone being open to the fans this year and having full maximum attendance at Silverstone as well. We're keeping our fingers crossed on that one, but it's uh, discussions between F1 and the government have gone very, very well on it. And I, I, I'm pretty confident that if you've got a ticket for Silverstone, uh, chances are you'll be there to join in the fun live for the weekend. All right, Crofty, you're awesome. Steering Grand Prix, uh, Sky Sports F1 Sunday from 12.30pm. Well, it actually starts a lot uh, earlier than that. And also um, live coverage of uh, free practice tomorrow. Thank you, Crofty. You're awesome. Anytime. Have a great weekend, everyone. Cheers, pal. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. We're slap bang in the middle of Armed Forces Week with Armed Forces Day on the horizon. So, ladies and gentlemen, spit, polish your boots and stand to attention as we welcome from the Royal Navy Warrant Officer First Class Mick Turnbull from the Army Warrant Warrant Officer First Class Dean Morgan and the RAF's Master Air Crew Tom Buxton. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Chris. Three morning. cheers for the three of you. Hip, hip, hooray, <laughs> hip, hip, hooray, and a hip, hip, hooray. And as my kids now say, every time they finish anything sporty at school, and one for luck, there you go. So, Dean, first of all, uh, Dean's in the Army. How long have you been in the Army? How did it all happen for you, my friend? So, I joined the uh, Army at 16, Chris, so uh, not really much going on in Swansea, in South Wales. that really interested me, and I sort of wanted to join the Army from a young age. I joined at 16, so nearly 25 years ago now. And to be perfectly honest, I haven't looked back. The ar- the army has literally uh, given me everything. Uh, it's given me travel. It's given me uh, life experience, and um, it's it's given me an opportunity in life which I probably wouldn't have had if I sort of uh, stuck and hang around the street corners in Swansea. Does it keep the belly off? It does keep the belly off, Chris. It takes a little bit harder these days at the sort of tender age of 42. Um, does take a little bit more uh, work at it to get it gone. But, but when, uh, it when do you have to sort of uh, do extra other than what you would do as a younger um, member of army personnel? When do you have to constantly think, ah, oh, this is not a good look now? So I think a lot of my friends uh, experienced this. We were on uh, operations in Afghanistan when I turned 31. Right. And literally on that day, everything started playing up. The knees went, the back went, and... Uh, yeah, so I noticed it from the, about the age of 31. And when you joined the Army, did you have a plan? Because, you know, uh, you're here, you're representing the whole of um, uh, the British Army as Warrant Officer Class 1. Did, did you have a career path or did, did it just unfold or did you listen to what the Army was trying to tell you? So at the age of 16 when I joined, really, really young, I didn't have any sort of long-term plans to make a career out of the Army. I think it wasn't until about four or five years in where the penny just really dropped and I thought... I could really make a go of this, the same as a, a, you know, a lot of other people who are, who are in the army today, uh, joined from similar sort of backgrounds as me and given the opportunity to really push on and make something of their lives. OK, so w- what left turn or right turn is that? How do you, how do you change path within the army? Um, I think it's as you mature as a soldier. Right. Uh, maybe you're coming towards the end of your initial contract of your time of service of four years mm-hmm. and you know that you either go left, uh, we shake your hand, thank you for your service, right. and you go and uh, exit into civilian employment, or you turn right uh, and, as you say, in the infantry, we fix a bayonet and we crack on with a full rewarding uh, army career. Got it. All right. OK, so Mick Turnbull here with us this morning again. Uh, good morning, Mick. Morning. Uh, Warren's of First Class Royal Navy. Um, you heard Dean's story there. Can we hear yours, please? 
Yeah, very similar to Dean. Uh, joined up at the age of 16, uh, just over 50, uh, 35 years ago. So I'm 52 years of age now. Um, first nine years of service, we're in the submarine service. And it's joining the Royal Navy is something I always wanted to do from, from a young age. Why was that? Um, I spent four years in the Sea Cadets uh, before I joined up. And that, uh, I come from Southend-on-Sea and having that sort of sea connection and what being out on the water, it was just something I was really interested in. Yeah, and 35 years, nine years submarine service and 22 years in the fleet air arm. And I've served on ships, submarines, aircraft squadrons, all kinds of stuff. All over the world doing all different things. Some you can talk about, some you can't talk about, I would imagine. Uh, uh, absolutely, yeah. Um, th- working on submarines, a fascinating job that, isn't it? Because uh, what's the longest you've, you've spent submerged? D- well, I, it, when I, I served on submarines, it's, it's, we're in a different space to where we were, we are, uh, where we are now. Right. So the maximum I served was was about eight weeks uh, under the water. It's still considerable, isn't it? It because is. A friend of mine used to serve on um, French submarines in the French Navy, and he said the one thing that he said the the salient memory that he has is when he came up and back on dry land. He said the thing you had to get used to quickest was objects and people and cars coming towards you again because you hadn't seen that you hadn't got that perspective whilst being underwater yeah I, it, it's it's all about spatial awareness right but normally a good run ashore sorts that out afterwards <laughs> straight away <laughs> yeah. okay all right cool uh, tom buxton master air crew um in the rf good morning tom good morning chris uh were you a 16 year old um wet behind the ears uh junior in the uh, rf uh, absolutely, Chris, but not in the Royal Air Force, unfortunately. Um, so I transferred to the Royal Air Force in 2008 as air crew, and I transferred from the Army. Right. So I joined the Army. Ooh, how did that in. go down on either side? <laughs> uh, reasonably well. So I, I was rapidly marching towards um, my sort of 20-year point in the Army. Right. I, was, I was 18 years served at that point. Um, and 22 years was the career, but I wasn't finished. I was ready to, to do a bit more. So right. applied to the Air Force and thankfully the Air Force said, yeah, you know, come across, we'll take you over as air crew. Um, and I, I came directly across to the Royal Air Force and, and went off to the Hercules Force to be a air load master with the C-130. All right, so uh, armedforcesday.org.uk is where you need to go to find out more. armedforcesday.org.uk. So we know that Tom uh, didn't jump ship, but he jumped tanks, uh, and he went to the <laughs> RAF. Okay, so it's sort of 1-0 to the RAF. Mm-hmm. Um, Mick, if you had to literally jump ship, would you hop on a tank or would you try and catch a lift on an F-35? So if you had to leave the Navy for the Army or the RF, which one would you choose? Um, uh, 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 I'm afraid I'm afraid I'm Royal Navy Heart of Oak. I, I can only be Royal Navy. It's a good answer, but I'm not going to accept it. Um, uh, well, see, I, got, I quite fancy the Space Command that the RAF's coming up with, so maybe that's a good one. OK, but that's not the, that's not Trump's Space Force. <laughs> no. <laughs> Please. OK, uh, Dean, same question. You don't have to answer it, by the way. If you if you had to jump a tank, would you, would you land on the deck of one of Her Majesty's ships or Her Majesty's aircraft? So, I will always be a soldier <laughs> to the day I die. However, however... Oh, I like it. However, however, I like this. My eldest son is literally about to start his adventure joining the Royal Fleet Auxiliary. So, I'd probably... Have, if I had a gun to the back of my yeah. head, I'd probably jump on the same, same ship as my son. So, it's one all! <laughs> yeah? All's fair in love and war. One all, and the army uh, became the moderator. Who would have guessed that would ever be the case? Gentlemen, thank you for your service. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you. you. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.